0: Have you ever been in a position where people expected you to join them in something you didn't want to do? You found yourself in the minority. Everybody else is doing it, so why shouldn't you? Whether it's something as challenging as substances or physical relationships, or maybe it's just as simple as making or participating in inappropriate jokes, we've all found ourselves in these types of situations. In your early 20s, Everything changes. You're not in your parents' house. You're out on your own, making your own choices. And it can be so easy to compromise the values that you held strong in high school. So you might find yourself asking, how can I refuse to compromise when I'm in the minority, when everyone else is doing it? I'm Josh Cave, and I've asked those exact same questions. In fact, I've spent my entire life asking questions like this and about Christianity. Those questions have led me to a ton of study and even earning a bachelor's degree in Bible and theology. I've definitely wondered and considered how to maintain integrity and refuse to compromise. Today, i discuss this topic with my wife, Molly Cave, and we will show you how you can maintain your integrity when the rest of the world wants you to give it up. But first, let's cue the music. Welcome to the After Youth Podcast, where we answer the most challenging questions asked by every Christian young adult. Let's dive in. Hey guys, today we're talking about maintaining your integrity and standards into and throughout adulthood. We've talked a good bit in this podcast about the challenges of transitioning, the, the added freedom and stuff like that, but one of the responsibilities that comes along in young adulthood is you get to choose who you're going to be. This is kind of a funny story from my own life. So when I was um, when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, uh, Call of Duty was really big, the video game, and a lot of my friends were really into it. So I would go over to their house and yeah, they'd be playing it, they got really good at it, you know, they were playing online and stuff like that. One of the rules of my family was that we weren't allowed to play video games where you kill other people. Yeah, you know, it was pretty common like among conservative families, but that was just a rule in my in my house, you know, that was one of the rules my mom had. So It kind of stunk. Everybody else was good at it. Everybody else was playing these games. And and I couldn't. So I had this idea when I was probably 17 years old. I decided that I could hide these video games. GameStop had a deal like that week or something. You could buy three games for $20 or something like that. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to buy some violent video games. And I'm going to stash them in a shoebox under my bed like my friends were doing. I did it. Yeah, I got like two Call of Duty games and maybe a Halo game or something like that. And I got a shoebox and I stuffed them under my bed. And I played them, you know, maybe a couple of times. But I didn't play them a lot because I was worried that somebody would find out, you know. So after about a week, I sat there and I was nervous. I was anxious because I had these things under my bed. And I had this moment, I was like, I don't have to do this. So after about a week, I pulled the shoebox back out from under my bed and I took the games back to GameStop because I couldn't handle the pressure of having them hidden under my bed. It was funny because my family had this standard and I didn't necessarily you know, agree with it. So I got these games, I hit them and then I, I couldn't deal with the pressure. So I took them back. Like six months later, I move off to college. I go to Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. And one of the first things I did was go and buy some Call of Duty games. I had no regrets, no stress about it at that point. Because once I was out of my parents' house, I was like, that's my choice. You know, I can do what I want. And I, I personally had no moral issue with playing those kinds of games. But when I was in my parents' house, I wasn't gonna I wasn't going to defy them. And I think it's a funny example, you know, it's a funny thing to talk about, you know, that I was too chicken to to keep these video games, but I think it really boils down to what we're talking about today and that whenever you become a young adult, you have the choice. When I was at my parents' house, I would never I would never play those games. I made a choice. I made a decision that I was going to respect them and all the things that I did. When I got out of my parents' house, it was my choice. What I chose to play, what I chose to do, it was on me. But in a variety of choices, this is the case with young adults. When you become a young adult, you move out on your own, you go to college, whatever it is, you're outside of your parents' house for a little bit. You have the choice of what you're going to do. You have the choice of who you're going to be, what you're going to say, how you're going to talk, how you're going to live, what you do in relationships. You know, there's a number of things that you choose now, and it's your 100% responsibility. Your parents can still get mad. They can get frustrated because of the choices you make, but they don't have the final say anymore. You do. And so I think it's really important that we discuss maintaining your morals. How do I stand up? How do I be the person that I want to be? So Molly, I want to get you in on this. Is there any moral in your life that you you really had to come to a decision for yourself about whenever you became a young adult?
1: Yeah. So um, I guess one of the things for me was the decision whether or not to partake in drinking alcohol and the party scene and just kind of things like that. So when I was um, 21, I was living on my own at the time. and I was hanging out with friends that I still love them to this day, but they don't necessarily believe the way I do. They are okay with um, the occasional drinking of alcohol and going out to certain bar scenes and stuff like that. And so I grew up in a household that did not believe in that. And I told myself growing up, I would not even put myself in those situations. But I found myself not wanting to miss out on having fun in my youth so i started hanging out with my friends and you know going to these scenes and not drinking but being surrounded by everybody that was drinking looking back i stopped going i explained it to my friends this was not the, the best place for me for you know it's interfering with my personal values my spiritual values and it was just not the best Scene for me, and so looking back, I wish I'd never even put myself in those situations. I wish I'd held on to that standard. Now I definitely do, and they totally understand that. They'll invite me to the things, but they're like, "I get it. We want you to be around, but we get that that's not part of your life anymore." And so again, like I never actually drank or anything, but I just wish I'd never even set myself up for the potential to be tempted, or what I consider tempted in those situations.
0: Yeah. I I think that's really important because a lot of people, they go into young adulthood and they feel like they're really strong and they, they really have this ability to, no matter what anybody else is doing, I'm good, you know? And, and we have to have that to some degree because you work and you go to school and you do all these things around people that might not have the same values that you do, but you still have to sit there and choose where you're going to go. like. Uh, for instance, yeah, I work in a mechanic shop, and there's a lot of things that people say in mechanic shops, and it does come to a question whenever I get home of what I'm going to surround myself with at home. I can't control what other people say, but I can control what comes into my ears, and not that I always make the right choice, not that I always listen to wholesome stuff, but it is my choice at the end of the day if I'm going to continue to surround myself with things that uplift me or things that bring me down. Kind of go into so drinking and stuff like that. Drinking and, and some of these other like more controversial topics we might touch on later. Like we might have a discussion about it. Uh in these episodes that aren't specifically about that, it's really not worth you know going into an in depth idea of, you know, why or why not we chose to personally believe that way. Uh, for this episode, I think it's more important that we stick to Maintaining the standards that you do have, regardless of what they are, if you've got a standard, how do we keep that? And so I want to talk a little bit about what morals are and why they're important. Uh, John Maxwell, he's kind of on the cutting edge as far as leadership and, and personal development and some of those things. And he has an article about building integrity. In it, he describes integrity as, quote, it literally means being whole and undivided. Being the same on the inside as you are on the outside, and he believes that having integrity is based on the idea that you are who you say you are, and that you are able to stand by your morals in all situations, so that may sound kind of counterintuitive you know maybe that doesn't sound like what you would have thought integrity is. Imagine that you refuse to lie, no matter what, no matter what situation you're in, you refuse. You tell everybody, your friends, your family, people you go to church with, I will not lie under any circumstances whatsoever. And then one day, a situation comes up. Let's let's go with another silly example. Let's say Christmas is coming around and you've got a gift for somebody. Molly loves guessing my gifts. She can't stand surprises, really. So let's say I get her a gift. I've told everybody that I refuse to lie under any circumstances. She asks me what I got. I tell her, I'm not gonna tell you. And then she guesses it. She guesses it dead on a hundred percent. And I'm I'm frustrated. But I go, no, that's not it. And I lie to her. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. It's you know, everybody talks about it. But if you've told everybody in your life, like I refuse to lie, there's nothing that like there's nothing that I will lie about. And then that night I'm sitting, I'm laying in bed, Molly's asleep. I'm sitting there thinking in my mind of, like, I lied about that. I'm having this moral dilemma with myself over something that's kind of silly. That's what he's talking about here is whenever you've told yourself, you've told everybody else, I'm not going to lie no matter what. And then you lie even over something menial. Having integrity is being able to stand by your morals no matter what. And you have this, you have this internal wholeness because you are what you say you are. And whenever I lie and I've told everybody else I won't lie, that's cut off. All of a sudden I'm not who I say I am, you know? My my character doesn't match who I'm saying I am. And so that's really what he's talking about. And Webster's dictionary defines it a little differently. It defines it as a firm adherence to a code of especially moral values. If I were to give kind of my own definition integrity itself means to live by a moral code in all aspects of your life and refuse to deviate from it
1: are you who you say you are behind the scenes when the camera's turned off are you getting into your word are you praising god in those quiet moments when nobody else is around and i'm not talking about you know full-on worship session but are you just living a worshipful life outside of the church you know in the community or at home when you stub your toe, are you saying things that you shouldn't say when you're home alone? You know, things like that. Are you inviting things into your life when nobody else is around? Are you sticking to those, those values and those standards that you have when other people are looking?
0: Yeah, but John Maxwell believes that integrity is incredibly important. He says, and I quote, Your integrity is the foundation for lasting achievement. If you build it, success and significance will come. And you'll be able to enjoy them for a long time. And it's just like Molly said, like that continuity in your life where even goes to the small things, it even goes to, you know, your Christianity. Are you a Christian on Tuesday as much as you are on Sunday morning and living a life that's consistent and that consistency makes you feel good about yourself? I think there's a couple verses where Paul talks about, you know, being able to live your life with a clear conscience in that your speech matches with your actions. Yeah, one of the biggest things about integrity to me is it allows me to be able to look myself in the mirror every night. And I'm not perfect by any means. Uh, I have the wrong guest on the show today to talk about me being perfect. (laughs) But I try very hard to have solid morals that the person that I am matches through and through. And you know, when I'm honest about my work, I feel good about it. When I give my tithe consistently, like God's, You asked us to. My conscience doesn't mess with me. I feel good about where I spend my money. When I stand by what I believe is important, I can live and I can breathe and I can feel good about my life. And it goes down regardless of what your morals are. If you believe something is right and you do it, you can feel good about yourself. You can feel good about your life. But if you believe something is wrong and you still do it, you'll never feel like you measure up. You'll never feel like. Like you're okay, you know, you'll always disappoint yourself. And so, to me, you know, we could talk about success stories and people that live with integrity, people that I know that have made a lot of money, partly because they had integrity, because they stuck to their guns. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to sleep at night. I want to know my conscience is clear. I've served God, I've done the things that I believe in. And so, how do we do that? How do we maintain? Our standards, and there's a saying at the end of of every casino and gambling commercial and and I think it it's fitting. It says "No one to stop before you start." It basically means whenever you whenever you go to a casino or you go to gamble that you have a set amount of money that you're willing to spend. if you lose that money, you stop gambling you don't lose all of your money because you kept going back you know 3 hours in you've spent your whole bank account you know going to the casino and i i believe the same thing could be said about situations that we get ourselves in uh let's take one example i mentioned tithe and you know let's say you decide that you're going to give 10% of every check to god consistently you're like this is a standard that i'm setting up this is Something that I want part of my life and you do it consistently. It's okay. Let's talk about a couple different things that could happen that could change that situation, make it a little bit harder. Let's say, first of all, you get a big promotion and that 10% goes from, you know, a hundred dollars a paycheck to 200, 300, $400 a paycheck. And all of a sudden that's a big jump. And that tithe check is a little bit different whenever it's, you know, three, $400 a paycheck, you know. And it can be really difficult unless you've decided, I am going to give my tithe no matter what the amount is. It doesn't matter what the amount is. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it joyfully. Let's say something a little bit harder happens. Let's say you have a really bad week. And, you know, sometimes when it rains, it pours. You go and your car breaks down, you're going to school, you get to class, your computer breaks, you know, you go back to your car, somebody broke in and stole your stuff out of it. You know, just one thing after another happens and you've got to pay all this stuff. And at the end of the week, you're sitting there looking, like, man, I could really use I could really use that 10%. And so you start to question, you're like, maybe, maybe i if I only did five percent this week. Maybe if I just didn't give it, you know, the church wouldn't miss it if I didn't give it this week. And you start to justify in your mind not giving that 10%. It goes back to that no one to stop before you start. You know, if you decide in, the, in your mind that I'm going to give my 10% no matter what, then it's not a choice anymore. It's a habit. It's who you are. You, you choose, like, this is what I'm going to do no matter what happens. And it's so easy if you're not grounded in that. If you don't make that decision 100%, it's really easy to to deviate from it. And you can't maintain standards. You can't maintain integrity unless you choose 100%. This is who I am and this is what I'm standing by. And so I think that's one of the big things to talk about here is you've got to choose. You've got to make that decision.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, you know, we've kind of caught ourselves in this situation before like when we moved like you know, the standard is our our value and our standard and goal is we go to church whenever the doors are open, you know, whenever every Sunday, every service we can. And then when we moved, we were trying to find a church. A couple of Sundays pass and it got easy to say, oh, we'll just, you know, we can sleep in, you know, watch the live stream or something like that. But you can s- even something as simple as that, you can see, you can feel the difference it makes when you start slipping in those things. Um, you can feel the almost the drain on your life when you start letting those standards and those um, that integrity go.
0: I think that goes into that. It's a really slippery slope whenever you start compromising. And the the title of this episode is "Refuse to Compromise," and. Because whenever you compromise one thing, let's take the church example that you just gave, if if we compromise going to church for a month, the odds of us going back consistently, I would think, go go down pretty far. You know, we've gotten into a routine, we're feeling okay, and we've slipped out of that. Well, if we're not going to church and we're not seeing them talk about tithe and everything else, We might stop giving our tithe because we're not in church all the time, you know, and so we stop giving our tithe. And we go even further than that, you know, we stop listening to wholesome things, we stop, you know, watching preachers online, we stop doing these things to help build us up spiritually. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, maybe we're not praying like we were, maybe we're not reading our Bibles like we were. And it can be this slippery slope, you know, you sit there, if you compromise on going to church and you say, I'm just, I just don't have the time, I don't have the energy, it can slowly lead to you pulling away from Christianity. And you didn't mean to, that's not why you started, but you made choices that slowly stacked on top of itself and you compromised a little, compromised a little, compromised a little, and you kept stepping back, kept stepping back until you realized how far you were away from where you started. And that's why maintaining your integrity, maintaining standards is so important because If you don't know when to stop before you start, all of a sudden, all of your money's gone, your bank account's drained, you've pulled out loans, everything else. There's a reason they say that in gambling commercials, and there's a reason we talk about maintaining integrity. And kind of in that same note, I want to give one quick Bible example before we go into discussion. And I want to talk about David, the man after God's own heart, the the guy that killed Goliath the greatest king that israel had ever seen and he dealt with maintaining his integrity a lot of people know the story in the bible where david was up on the rooftop and he looked down and he he caught a glimpse of bathsheba while she was bathing on another rooftop and he kind of lingered he he you know kept looking at her kept looking at her and he he called for somebody to go and get her for him and he couldn't control himself so he took it a step further and he He called her in and committed adultery. Well, she ended up getting pregnant. This bad situation where he compromises integrity and he slept with this woman that wasn't his wife. He slept with this woman that was somebody else's wife. All of a sudden, she's pregnant. Now he's got a problem. And so what does he do? Bathsheba's husband was in David's army. And they were about to go to war, so... David called one of his commanders, he said, put, put Bathsheba's husband on the front lines and basically had him murdered in war. And so all of a sudden, David went from somebody who yeah, was lustful on a rooftop to an adulterer and then to a murderer. And the slippery slope started because he didn't hold to his standard. He didn't look away from the rooftop. I promise you, if King David, the man after God's own heart, can have something like this happen where he slips and slips and slips, and all of a sudden, what went from a rock turned into a an avalanche, you know? If that can happen to him, it can happen to any of us if we don't watch ourselves and stay firmly grounded in our integrity. And so I want to switch gears here and... uh just kind of discuss this topic with Molly a little bit more. Molly, is there anything that God has done in your life that you believe is because you maintained your integrity?
1: Yeah, I think for me, um, my standard that I set for myself to not chase after relationships well on a young age and just let God guide me, um, and let him prepare me and let him let me know. (laughs) and take control and just kind of show me when it's time for whoever that may be which now i know was you but um there's nothing wrong with dating but he saw that i stuck to that standard and i devoted that to him and i think he's really blessed me and you know don't get a big head about that but i mean you are everything and more that i could ask for in a husband you are loving, you're caring, you take care of this family, you're a great leader. Um, And of course, like you said, you've got a few flaws. But as far as, you know, a spiritual Christian leader for this household, I couldn't ask for anything better. Um, And I think if I hadn't not stuck to that value, I think I really would have, um, I would have definitely settled, you know?
0: Yeah and i I spent some time thinking about throughout my life, and the sermon we listened to yesterday kind of reminded me of some of my my early days knowing I was called, knowing I was going to be a pastor and you know I mentioned I've worked in motorcycle shops, and you know I've worked around uh mechanics and stuff since I was fifteen years old, and I've known I was called to preach just as long and uh, one of the things in that is that I had a choice really early on. You know, I was homeschooled, so I, I wasn't around peer pressure at school, but I was around peer pressure in those situations with guys that, that talked a very specific way, you know, with people that that lived very specific lives. And, you know, in my life, I had to make a choice early on, like, okay. Am I going to live like a preacher? Am I going to live like somebody that's called to pastor for the rest of his life? Am I going to live like all these people I'm around every day? But I think maintaining that integrity, and obviously all of us stumble sometimes. All of us, you know, we say things we shouldn't at some point, or we do do some things that we shouldn't. But overall, maintaining that integrity, maintaining those standards, I believe has helped me to be a better witness to people. I believe that God has blessed me in job situations because I was somebody who refused to lie, you know, that if I mess something up, I said about it. But because I've chosen to live a life of integrity, that's helped me get ahead in what I've done in my work.
1: Yeah. And to touch on the um, it's helped you be a better witness. I mean, how many times have you and I both been around a certain group of people and, you know, they're living it up saying words that we don't necessarily say or things like that that they know we don't agree with and then they turn around and apologize or um you know they're living a life that they we don't feel we should be living. They apologize and they try to um maintain that around us and I feel like us just living by those certain standards, it shows. You don't just because, you know, our job as Christians is to go and spread the word, we don't have to just drill it down somebody's throat like the way we live our life and the way we stick to those standards and that integrity is going to shine through us and so um you will see that through the people that you're around they will notice it they will react to it and that's how you will get your um confirmation that you're sticking to that
0: and not just confirmation but also you know you're serving god with all of your actions We can have some like you said, like we can have some kind of internal confirmation just by living out those actions. Whenever other people start noticing, like it reinforces that. But also at the end of the day, that we know that we're serving God with our actions, not just our words, not just you know, going up to people and being like, Hey, you know, you know, you need Jesus, you know. But by living our lives in a certain way that people see that and they see God in us because of how we live our lives. I think that's so important. Today we talked about maintaining your morals and integrity throughout young adulthood. And this is one of the most important challenges that comes up in our lives that we, we all face, we all face opportunities to, to surrender our morals, to compromise our integrity. Integrity means to live by a moral code in all aspects of life and to not deviate from it. Integrity is important because it, It can unlock your future and help you be the person you want to be, and it keeps your conscience clear. One of the ways we talked about maintaining your integrity is to know when to stop before you start, to set your standards in a firm foundation, to say that this is what I'm going to do no matter how hard it is, no matter how easy it is, I'm going to live my life this way. And whenever you choose to do that, you're able to live your life clear conscience knowing you're serving God and you can sleep better at night but thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you next week thank you so much for listening to this episode to keep up with everything we have going on and get updates follow us on social media you can find us on Facebook at The After Youth Podcast or on Instagram and Twitter at After Youth Pod If you enjoy the content we put out, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This helps us reach more people of what we're trying to do, and we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening every week, and we will see you again next Friday.